listening to Soul Knox Podcast, and I'm your host, Carl Hikara. And this is episode number 75. And this uh, week, I have a special episode with my uh, brother and fellow horseman of the podcast Apocalypse, Ralph Schmidt, also uh, main man behind Ulta and Ropes of Night, the two uh, amazing, uh, great bands. Yes, and Ralph is joining me to talk about one of our favorite movies of all time, which is The Ninth Gate. So, um, hope, uh, yeah, hope people will enjoy this really awesome episode. Great conversation with Ralph about about this uh, perfect movie. Um, and we kind of get it, and you know, we kind of walk through the plot somewhat, and we uh, discuss uh, a lot of ideas about about you know, theories about what the movie means and all that kind of stuff. So, we yeah, we get it, we get into it, so to say. So yeah, I hope you guys enjoy um, the episode. Um, and yeah, so we're continuing our our Halloween horror, um, really. So, um, the episode that'll come out on Thursday or yeah, Thursday is going Wednesday night. Thursday is going to be. Uh, um, the second episode of Constantin Tuonovi, which gets into a lot of uh, deep occult, esoteric ideas, and um, you know, are always, of course, centering around different ideas, some about the numinous and the sacred horror and all that kind of stuff. So, look forward to that on Thursday. Um, so yeah, so I guess I'll get into the plugs, and then we shall uh, continue on into the episode of Ralph. Like I said, Ralph and I are part of the Horsemen of the Podcast Apocalypse, a kind of gang of podcasters. Um, every other Monday is Horror Wolf 666 with Brandon Legion. Every Tuesday is Into the Necrosphere with Jackie Schmidt. Every Wednesday is uh, Everything Went Black with Mike Hill. And of course, Mike and I do our series Darkness Weaves, which is all about the work of Carl Edward Wagner that we split amongst our podcasts. And y'all can keep an eye open um, for Wednesday. Um, you should be seeing the episode that we're doing about the next and last story in Wagner's collection, In a Lonely Place. So it's an end of our first block of this um, series. We'll be continuing on into his Kane uh, work. So yeah, so keep an eye out for that. That should be out on Wednesday. Um and then uh, Thursdays you have um, no sorry Necromaniacs with Mike Hill, Mike Scandato, and Jeff Kashid. And Fridays you have the artist formerly known as Break the Apocalypse, now known as Spitball Media. And in intermediate times you have Iblis Manifestations with Cheyenne of Trivax. Um, so yes, yeah, so that's the Horseman. Please uh, follow everybody, give everybody a listen, and please share, spread the word about the horsemen and all our different podcasts and also like to shout out my psyllium signal um with constantine tuonovi which i mentioned uh his his podcast my psyllium signal is great please go check that out as well he's uh you know an associate of mine not necessarily not of the horsemen so per se if you know what i mean um yeah and you can follow me at social media or on instagram really either my name or at denver underground radio which is the online radio station I run. We have shows every Tuesday and Thursday nights starting at 9 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, um, live at denverundergroundradio.com. You can listen in there. 
Um, the show on Tuesday is called Darklands. It's black metal, death metal, dark ambient. The show on Thursday is called The Upstairs Room, and it's primarily goth, dark wave, post-punk, shoegaze, all that kind of stuff. And uh, so on Instagram, you can see all our playlists, and you can also get links to our Spotify playlist for the shows and also see all the stuff about uh, about the podcast as well, so follow, follow on there as well. And then I also have a Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Podcast. So if you want to join the kind of inner circle of the podcast, please uh, join on there. If you join, you get a shout out on main feed. And you get two to four bonus episodes a month. Um, so yeah, should be getting our next uh, Dracula episode before the end of the month. So yeah, hope you guys uh, check it out. Um, so yeah, I think that's that's really all the shout outs. I also wanted to say I just got my copy of Noctuary and Spectral Link from, uh, by Thomas Ligotti from Chaptera Press. Very, very excited that I finally got that. Pre-order was in July. They had some issues, so it took a little while, but perfect timing. It's right in time for Halloween. And if yeah, you, I definitely recommend anybody who's a fan of Ligotti to go pick that up. Um, you know, Noctuary was out of print and was essentially a, you know, uh, very, very expensive 300 to $500 copy book. So it's nice to have it back in print. And, uh, yeah, maybe they'll do a, a paperback of it as well like they did for uh, Pictures of Apocalypse. But as of right now, who knows? So, yeah, I recommend picking it up, completing your Ligotti collection like I did. Um, so, yes, we're going to get into the episode with Ralph, all about the Ninth Gate. So hope you guys enjoy, and most appropriately of all, Hail Satan.
welcome back to the podcast, Ralph. It's always always a pleasure to be talking to you. Yeah, dude, man, Carl, thanks for having me again. Glad, glad to be back. I feel like I've been on a on a hiatus, like when it comes to podcasts. Like the last thing I did was uh, the uh, True Detective episode with Mike, and like there was nothing after that, and a long time nothing before that. But like life here's life is super busy, and uh, yeah, so I'm glad to be back and like talk about one of the cool, like one of my favorite movies of all times. Yeah, me too. Yeah, the uh, some thinking. I don't remember when was the last we talked about RoboCop, obviously. Yes, but I yes, don't, that was the last. Yeah, but I don't quite remember. I mean, I think the episode came out in July, I think, right? But we recorded yeah. it like a couple months before that, so it's it's been since the spring, I think, since we talked last. Yeah, right. Yeah, and it's it's uh the only like like means. I mean, we always chat in the in the Horseman chat group, and uh, but also there, like I there's there's so much going on now with like also having Cheyenne in it and and Evan and all the all the guys, but it's just like there's so much talk and like I don't even. I cannot even follow up on all the musical suggestions that are in this group and like movie suggestions. I'm like, Oh dude, I have so much work. I want to watch a movie. I want to do this. And like, I, I think I, when I watched the ninth gate on Sunday, I think I watched it. I think it was the first proper movie that I watched like with full focus in what feels forever. Yeah. 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 I'm trying to think before yeah i well i watched movies last week because they uh i have um finally getting around to the the rest of um after a couple months hiatus like i i recorded the episode about the the hammer draco movies with my friend joe like mm-hmm. the first two hammer uh horror and brides and um so i finally watched those last week and then recorded the episode last week so uh so yeah i've been watching movies here and there but um, or, or what I'll do, what I've been doing a lot recently is we, like, before I go to bed, I found this channel on YouTube that has like a lot of the old, like sixties, like Euro Gothic horror stuff and black and white and whatnot, you know, mm-hmm. like, you know, um, this channel puts like, um, you know, black Sunday stuff like that on there, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I put those on and before I, you know, watch them as I fall asleep, you know, so. <laughs> yeah yeah i can never do that like i was never the guy to watch something to fall asleep to and it's always like when i start a movie i want to finish it and i hate like breaking up in the middle i like i want to like i actually intended because now i'm in the first week of my two-week uh fall holiday break so i'm like cool it's like the beginning of october i can probably do like the 30 31 horror movies challenge thing but like after two days, I already like fell off the wagon because there's so much other stuff like right now. And uh, yeah, so I, I I started with Ninth Gate and then I, I tried to watch that new, uh, I think it's a Spanish vampire movie, which is more like a comedy on Netflix. I think El, 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 El Duma or something like this. I don't know. Like it looks really good. It's pretty bloody, but it's like it's more like a caricature movie. Movie. It's it's weird. Like I watched an hour, but then I fall asleep and I didn't return to the movie yet. Yeah, yeah. I only put on movies that I've seen like a million times. You know, oh, okay. at the end of the night, you know, or yeah. where I'm like, if I don't watch this whole thing, it's okay because I'm gonna watch it again because I love this movie. You know, <laughs> like yeah. like House on the Haunted Hill or Black Sunday or something. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, last night, um, after watching the Ninth Gate, I watched Warlock because I just got that. In DVD. Ah, yeah, yes, yeah. fantastic. So that was great. I Warlock was a movie that um I was fucking obsessed with when I was like a kid. Yeah. <laughs> like I wanted yeah, yeah. it, but I wanted to be Julian Sands, you know. <laughs> <laughs> wanted to be the evil, the evil warlock. Like I wanted to like walk around all black like that, you know. Which I guess I brought that to life, right? But uh, yeah. Dude, but, you just um, need you just need the blonde hair, yeah. right? Yeah, the blonde long hair. Yeah. Yeah, uh, but yeah. So I was always obsessed with Warlock one and two when I was a kid. I I bought Warlock one. I haven't bought two yet. I need going to do that. But it was it was funny watching it again as an adult. I haven't seen it since probably the nineties, early two thousands. You know, at the latest. And yeah. um, and uh, I still remembered pretty much the whole movie. You know. <laughs> yeah, the I. I don't recall like i i'm pretty certain i watched the second one but i don't like it i can't remember like what it's about i really need to uh i need to get into that like i bought like a um like a really good version of the first one a while back i think we talked we spoke about this as well and um and it's great like with a lot of bonus features and shit and it's really cool but um yeah, man, I, I need to get like get back into the second one. Yeah. Yeah, I remember actually I think it was you and Brandon. You guys talked about that uh yeah, that episode for Horror Wolf. We remember you guys oh, talking yeah. about Warlock, yeah. It's yeah. I was trying to find uh like uh like Warlock on Blu ray or something like that, but I could only find this kind of cheap D V D for like eight bucks, you know. Like, yeah. which kinda sucked. It's kinda the same thing with Ninth Gate. Um the only only Blu ray I can find on uh you know, on Amazon or whatever is just like kind of a real basic Blu-ray that doesn't has the same special features as the as the DVD and stuff like that. So, yeah, I have like I have a DVD which is in book form, so it has all the all the images, some liner notes, and that was like when they still put effort into DVDs. I've got one of these versions for for seven as well, and and I have one for Ninth Gate. But yeah, with Blu-rays, it seems that they don't really like do a lot of stuff with it. Yeah, yeah. Ninth Gate really needs a new collector's edition Blu-ray with additional content and you know all the kind of stuff. Like, hopefully, eventually it'll that'll yeah. happen. It seems like um, you know, like um, I don't know. I I would like to see that. I mean, the movie deserves something like that, but uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. But it's so it's I mean it's like it's will be one of the things that I guess we'll touch upon. It's that it was a it was an absolute failure at the box office and with the with the criticism and uh, but then it got like like this cult following and people were really into it. But everybody compared it to oh yeah, it's just like uh, it's it's Polanski's uh, like try to get back into the quality of Rosemary's Baby, which I think it's bullshit like there's yeah. no there's no connection there's it's completely different sort of movie it's just like i think this whole movie is about like um um polanski's love for books that's that's what i feel yeah i would agree yeah i don't i don't see it as being in the same place as rosemary's debut at all i mean yeah they both have satanic stuff but um which we'll probably get into more but in my opinion Ninth Gate is a actually a, a true satanic movie where Rosemary's Baby is kind of you know a sixty yes. Satan satan you know satanic cult you know kind of yep. kind of movie where this one is actually in a lot of ways representing real like kind of satanic ideas you know in it yes 
Do you would you consider Ninth Gate a horror movie? Um, I mean, I guess people do kind of put it in that bracket, but I mean, I don't think it's particularly. I mean, there's murders and and stuff. I mean, I guess it's kind of in a horror bracket, but it's also just a great movie. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if I. Yeah. I, I don't know. know. Like, to, I mean, we had maybe we should at some point like have like a big discussion, like a like a crossover episode with with you, Brandon, Mike, and me, and and like what what is horror and what is not horror? Because to me, this movie is not a horror movie. Like, it's it's to me, it's an occult mystery thriller. It has like horror elements to it but to me like a horror movie feels differently and looks differently i mean it has like the supernatural elements to it it's about satan but i think like horror movies work differently this is just like a conspiracy mystery thriller to me yeah yeah i would agree i think that yeah that's a good way of putting it a cult mystery thriller it's also yeah it's like a horror adjacent movie in the sense that yes. people who like you know, satanic horror movies will like this movie, but it's not really a pure uh, horror movie because you're dealing with, like, you know, he's trying to solve this mystery about the book, and you know, it's like uh, um, the atmosphere isn't very horrific. Um, yeah, yeah. The only the only thing horrific about this movie is are the fight scenes. They're terrible, but like the rest is rest is like spot on. And it's like a really dark mystery thriller. And if you compare it to like what happened in the in the nineties <laughs> when in horror, like I, I like Brandon posted something about Stigmata, which was one of these these typical nineties kind of occult horror movies. But that's like that is the focus. It's like a full on horror movie. And to me, Ninth Gate is not in that realm. Yeah. It's also not really the thing about a lot of um, satanic cult movie type of movies that, you know, that I that I, I love. But the thing with a lot of them is that they're coming from a very kind of Christian mentality. You know, the Satan Satanists are, you know, evil and trying to st destroy the world. And, you know, you got some hero trying to save everything or yeah. or whatever, you know, like uh, you got like the devil rides out kind of thing where. Again, it's like the you got the good guys like trying to protect themselves against evil ma black magic and uh, you know all that kind of stuff. Where um, the the thing that's um, amazing about the Ninth Gate, one of my favorite things about it is that it's it's really not um, there's no morality to it. The yeah. the Satanists aren't aren't portrayed as being evil. It's actually more realistic in a lot of ways to actual Satanism and the different types of actual Satanism there exists. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like, um, you know, you got like the, the, the kind of cult of people who are rich and they're doing it for for pleasure and fun, kind of for excitement. You know what I mean? And then you got like Balkan, who's like really kind of um, very serious Satanist. who's like, yeah, yeah, really. But who in the end, who's hubris is his downfall, you know? Yeah. yeah. And then you got then you got. You know, Corso, who in a lot of ways is naturally a satanic individual just by being yeah. himself. You know what I mean? And so he's right. so yeah. so he's the one who Satan chooses, you know what I mean? So it's it's an interesting kind of play, a non more it's not a moral thing. It's just like, yeah, like this is uh, you know, Balkan failed because he's because of his hubris, you know what I mean? Where where yeah. 
yeah, where of course there's like this natural Satanist in a lot of ways. So it's very interesting, like kind of uh, kind of ideas in there that um, I always find really inspiring. You know. Yeah, and that's the thing about like the um, what makes a, what makes a movie good or like interesting or captivating. And I had to like come back to the uh, episode that I did with Mike about True Detective and the philosophy behind it. Ninth Gate is also a very deeply philosoph philosophical movie. There's so many layers, so many like small details, like the the uh, the whole engravings in the book, and there's so much that you could interpret. And with Stigmata, there's nothing to interpret. It's like it's like on the nose. Here's your horror movie, and that's like how most like horror movies work. And I remember when we spoke about Satanism in one of the episodes. I don't know like what we did, but it was like at the end we spoke about Satanism, and it's kind of like the same with a lot of black metal bands that like you have these full on like comical like in panda panda costumes, you know, and always satanic and the blood and everything. And you can't take them serious, but you have other bands that come out and they're just naturally evil in the way that they play the music, the way they be like they the way they conduct themselves. And that's these are the bands that I think you and I gravitate to that we can take serious. And not like the, you know, like Karach Angren or bands like this, which is like comical to me. And Nine, Ninth Gate is one of these movies that you watch and it's like, it lures you in. It has an interesting story, good acting, um, a lot of small details now. I mean, I watched it for, I don't know, the 10th time or so when I watched it. And there's still like small details that I missed. And that's what I appreciate about like art when it has like some depth to it. Like I'm I'm not here for like stupid entertainment. That's that not, not what I look for in horror movies. I want to think about it. And this movie really gives you something to think about. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so well done. You know, there's like um, a lot of detail. Like you said, it's not a movie that, uh, that dispels everything out for you, you know um and and obviously like like all those uh, the illustrations in the book and everything like that like there's like um and obviously like this is based off of a novel called the club dumas so some of these things were kind of inherent within the novel that polanski adapted but it's like um there's obviously a huge amount of thought put into the creation of the 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 you know illustrations and you know the plates yeah like they actually do mean real, real occult things. You know what I mean? Like they're just like say some tarot cards or something. You know, like yeah. there's there's real there's real like um, substance in this movie, um, coming from people who probably actually kind of know what they're talking about. You know, which I think is really interesting. And Polanski kind of takes that and you know he put so much detail into the movie. You know, yeah. he's he's such a. I mean, this is probably his last like masterpiece in my opinion like i mean a lot of stuff after this i mean i haven't even seen yeah. you know and it's like yeah. uh the detail he puts into it the the whole feeling of the movie too like it's it's very intoxicating movie because you just really feel that kind of like uh i don't know there's just such a uh real atmosphere and um yeah. sense of mystery to the movie and just i don't know it's it's hard to explain yeah, but I absolutely agree. It's like it has what I crave for in horror movies. And like the when I saw it the first time, to me, it felt like, oh, 
uh, Polanski must have seen the Omen movies. It has like the, the same the the tempo. I mean, like the, the Omen is like a straight up horror movie. It's like way way darker, way more evil, but it has like the same quality to the camera, to the acting, um, to the small details that you can find out, like the incorporation of excuse me, <laughs> um, sorry, the incorporation of the soundtrack by Kilar, which is fantastic. Yeah, and it it almost is like a character in itself and. It's 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 such a well balanced thing, um, and uh, yeah, I would agree. It's like Polanski's last great thing that he did. Yeah, yeah, the soundtrack is absolutely amazing. The thing about the movie too is it's very it has like a kind of co comedic element to it as well at times. You know, like there's parts yeah. that they laugh at. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> like yeah, it's it's. It's also I like sorry for interrupting, but it's like in the soundtrack as well. You've got like this duh, 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 this really slow dark stuff that always comes up, but then you have like this almost like jangly kind of nice, um, almost Ghostbuster ish. Like it, it reminds me of the. Um, there's a lot of stuff that reminded me of Ghostbusters, and and it has like when when Peter and Egon and and they interact, it has like this almost uplifting piano music in the back and when corso like is like this clumsy nature and walks around you have also this this reoccurring theme in the soundtrack which is almost kind of a bit silly you know and and that's what i like like it's it's not too much it's definitely not making the movie a funny movie but it's a good contrast to to the darkness that like the other parts have yeah like those parts have this kind of um playfulness that almost kind of draws on maybe uh you know a tango or something like that you know what i mean yeah. it's got this kind of kind of playful type of feeling well but it goes in and out between that and the darker type of type of music very like seamlessly you know yeah it's it's kind of like what what uh david lynch and butter lamenti perfected with twin peaks where you have like this over the top i mean this is like over the top clumsy there in twin peaks but it has like the same vibe that like if you have something that is like almost playful cheery and then it like combusts into the darkness it like makes everything way more intense yeah yeah i'd agree yeah definitely you can see the the comparison to like uh it's like lynch or something like that like and uh although yeah and this one the soundtrack's probably a little bit more uh traditional than say the battle menti one because he uses a lot of keyboards yes. and stuff but um yeah, yeah. but a similar type of tone yeah 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 um yeah you spoke about the book like the club dumas um i don't know have you read the book so i read most of it um i was gonna try to read it before we did this but i just didn't have time to finish it um yeah but i've read i've read a great like um big part of it um yeah and it's they're definitely different the, but the essential elements are there but in the movie they took out like certain things that i think probably would be a little difficult for a lot of you know people to under you know it'd been too hard yeah. to get it all all the stuff that's in the book into a two-hour movie you know yeah i think like i i haven't read it i always consider doing it so i uh, read some stuff on the internet and watched the video that compares the movie and the book and they said and that's what i wanted to ask like yeah since you read like parts of it uh the book seems to focus on the on the um uh, don quixote 
books and like the circle of people that like actually want to have the books so it's more like a like a criminal case you know like with the with the books and the mystery and this satanic part that is all, almost like a side story that in the book doesn't play like the primary role it does in the movie is that is it that way yeah exactly yeah that that that's in there but it's like kind of like that's like the it's like Corso's like trying to do the same thing he did in he's doing in a movie i believe if i remember correctly where he's like trying to authenticate the book and you know you have the plates mm. in it and you have the whole thing of like each edition has a different thing but kind of as he's going through that plot line there's this other plot line with the club dumas stuff going on as well and yeah. um and they kind of come together at the end but i think it makes sense that they cut that out and stuck with the satanic book angle because it's a lot more interesting it's like the interest yeah. like the other part's not not as interesting even in the book you know what i mean like it's yeah. not yeah. yeah so it's like um so it's kind of like you get why they did that you know and um mm. yeah and i'm not sure in the book if if you got the same i mean the girls in it who follow in corso but um you know i always take yeah. her in the movie as being basically satan like watching over him essentially or some type of demonic entity or something you know what i mean <laughs> yeah that's that's the, that's the thing like i ha i wrote down like some parts that we need to talk about um and definitely like girl is like uh which is also like just uh the girl emmanuel uh saini is like her name and it's just like referred to as the girl what role does she play but i don't know like you do you should we like give her a little rundown of the movie before we go on or do we just take for granted that everybody has seen the movie that we are talking about i mean we could probably give a rundown you know get the basics yeah. out just just for forum's sake you know <laughs> yeah. all right you know the cast yeah. and all everybody so um yeah so yeah so i, I guess I'll, I'll run down the cast real quick and then we can get into it um and obviously i would do the do all the credits so it's directed by roman polanski screenplay by john brown john roman polanski and enrique urbazu um obviously based on club dumas um cinematography by darios kanji edited by hervé de Luz, music by wojcik kilar obviously and then um yeah, cast is Johnny Depp as Dean Corso, Lena Olin as Leanna Telfer, Frank Langella as Boris Balkin, um, like you said, Emmanuel Segner as the girl, uh, James Russo as Bernie Ornstein, Jack Taylor as Victor Fargus, um, Barbara Jefford as Baroness Frida Kessler, and um, that's really like the, you know, yeah. the main characters that you come across. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, I think the getting, getting a guy like Johnny Depp to do this movie was like a big deal back then. And I think like he and Polanski met at like a gala and they talked about it. And uh, from what I understood is that uh, Polanski asked, um, asked Johnny Depp to play the role, but play like straight because usually like he plays really colorful. I mean, Look at Edward Scissorhands. <clears throat> Look at uh, uh, the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise. But I think it's like the most straight performance that Depp has pulled off in like in ages back then. And I think it's one of his best portrayals of a character. Yeah, yeah I would agree. Yeah, and it's it's funny because um, this is this came out the same year as uh, Sleepy Hollow, 
which is another oh. great Johnny Depp movie yeah. as well, like which I really love. And it's yeah. he's completely different characters in both these movies, you know, like yeah, uh, yeah. Like if you can, but in Sleepy Hollow, Sleepy Hollow, it's more like the Johnny Depp that we know that made him famous, like the the Tim Burton uh, Johnny Depp. Exactly. Yeah. So you got and like Sleepy Hollow, you got the tradition, you know, you got the <clears throat> yeah, like I said, the Tim Burton Depp that we know, and then in this where you got Johnny Depp playing playing it straight and playing very well a character who is a kind of, uh, <clears throat> I mean, our introduction to the character right at the beginning of the movie <clears throat> is basically, um, you know, he's at this, he's at this place. It's like, you know, they're selling their father's this books. Who's like <clears throat> got, had some stroke or something is sitting there, you know, and he basically, and you know, plays them basically to get this like four set of Don Quixote, which is, I guess, probably the nod to the, to the original book in a way, you know? Yeah. Um, which is obviously worth a huge amount of money, but he's basically, Oh, you know, it's $4,000. You know, not, it's not that great, but I can place it now, you know? And he did the whole, he basically went there and puffed them up and screwed the deal for another one of the book sellers. You know what I mean? Just to get these, uh, get these books yeah. that are probably worth like a thousand times what, what he paid for it, you know? So that's, that's yeah. our introduction to our character, you know? <laughs> yeah. He's a, he's a cheeky bastard and uh, yeah, he plays people. And that's like, to me, like when, when I started watching it and like I said, like I have this version of the book uh, of the, of the DVD, which is next to the seven one. And when I pulled it out and I'm like, Oh, I have to rewatch seven again. And then I started watching ninth gate. I'm like, huh? Is there actually like a reference to the seven deadly sins in it? Because like the first opening is like everybody's driven by greed, you know, like the these these two old people are like, oh, yeah, we need to get rid of the books quick because we need the money. And he fucks them over because of their greed and he's greedy himself. And then there's like, you know, you've got lust and gluttony. You've got all the sins in, in, in this movie as well. And that's what I meant with like this movie has so many layers to it that you could interpret and uh yeah so great introduction yeah yeah he's like this kind of character he's kind of a bastard but you but you kind of like him at the same time you know yeah 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 um you know he's like uh kind of a loner type of guy you know and uh yeah we find out you know his whole job is basically to um <clears throat> buy and sell books for people you know he's a book he's a book um i think I'm trying to think what the great book finder i guess would be the right yeah, I, th I think uh, the uh, internet calls it. Uh, he's a wait. Where do I have it? And in Corso, a rare book dealer. And um, ever since I saw this movie for the first time, and I think I saw it when it like it came out. I don't think I saw it in the theater, but we, my dad and I rented it when it came out. Um, uh, I've always like been like, I wish I could have his job. I'm like <laughs> you know, like that. that <laughs> yeah. That's, That'd be uh, that'd be awesome because I, I you know I'm I'm uh, obsessed with books you know if you could see like I have a huge library with tons of bookshelves full of books and everything and uh, yeah books are one of my favorite things in the world and always have been so it's like this movie I think <clears throat> for somebody like myself who's like obsessed with books is like a yeah uh, I mean I'm the I'm a mark for this movie you know what I mean <laughs> yeah of course yeah. And then it's like, uh, yeah, so we, we, we see the opening, but isn't the actual opening the uh, the suicide of, of Andrew Telfer? Yeah, the opening, yeah. the movie opens with the suicide of Telfer, 
and yeah. then yeah and then we're introduced to, to, to right. corso yeah yeah and it's like when 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 corso gets like the don quixote books and he goes to that like bookstore and it dude like i this is what i mean like it reminds me so much of race occult like in ghostbusters when egan goes there it has like the same music it is also in this basement and it looks like like it's in new york and then he goes in and there's like all these books and then they obsess and nerd about like the don quixote books and like wow this reminds me so much of ghostbusters and yeah i mean i i it's no secret that ghostbusters one and two like some of my favorite movies and uh that's like that's what the cheerful thing is because like that's before corso gets sucked into this 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 maelstrom of darkness that he's like about to embark on yeah yeah, this is we're getting kind of a peek into Corso's normal life. You know, this is this is his this is his normal thing. You know, he buys these books. Yeah. He probably uh, he he you know the bookseller is probably like one of his only like friends. You know that he or somebody he can kind of call a friend. You know, like and and we're kind of getting into a viewpoint into this and um um which I think is important, like to to show you know really succinctly we're shown in just two scenes like um enough to get to know the character get to know what his life is like and uh and then and then of course our you know the next scene is him going to balkan towers right and um yes and again very succinctly with visual storytelling we can see that he's somebody who's here a lot like he just walks in you know says hi to the security guard the security guard says hi to him and he just walks right in right you know like all these yeah. other people are trying to check in like so we see with visual storytelling that this that this is a place that he comes a lot that, you know this is somebody who yeah. he works with he goes yeah, and he worked for yeah he that? worked for, for he worked for balkan before yeah exactly yeah. yeah and so we see balkan's doing some type of uh you know uh um, lecture lecture about um witchcraft Witches. yeah witchcraft yeah. right yeah yeah witchcraft in the medieval age and um and I, I love that he's down there and he's got these like two like you know you know kind of rather sinister statues on either side of him and you know he's like doing yeah. his lecture and it's, uh, this is where we <clears throat> are introduced to uh boris balkan played with franklin jella and we're also while he's there he's also we also see the girl for the first time yes she's, she's uh sitting there and um, I think it's funny because she's just like very much um, whatever is comfortable. Like that's that's what she's wearing at all times. You know what I mean? It's like a yeah, yeah. army jacket and some old dirty like tennis shoes, and you know. <laughs> yeah, and here's here's my first thing that like watching it the first time I remember, and it's like every time I watch it, it's not being followed up on, and there's like not a lot of theories about this. But in the lecture um corso falls asleep yeah and balkan balkan wakes him up in the end and that's when he wakes up and he's like cheeky and that's when he sees the girl the first time and i always thought like probably everything that happens from this point on is only like in a dream you know like because it's it's never like followed up on but like the supernatural element is like it could be you know, like a dream setting in a way. They could, they could like pull it off, like in a special edition with a different ending. That like at some point when he ends the movie by going through the gate, that he just wakes up is and is in this hallway and the lecture is just over. They could have done it that way, but I'm glad they didn't. So it's like it's an open, open end. Yeah. 
yeah i'm glad it didn't either you know what i mean like but yeah i mean that, that could be some way to, to take it you know i never even yeah. thought about that actually <laughs> yeah the, um yeah but but yeah then 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 uh corso i know balkan takes him up to like this high tower to his special library yeah. yeah one thing that i really love another really subtle detail is that when court when balkan puts in his security password for like the elevator oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. everything it's 666 <laughs> yeah. which i added, so i love that <laughs> yeah it's it's a bit on the nose but it's like yeah i can i can back that that's cool yeah. I, I like it because it's just it's a subtle thing that i think like i didn't notice first time i watched a movie you know or the second time even but eventually mm -hmm. but i think you know one of the watches i finally was like oh it's, he's putting 666 into his his uh this thing i just think that's funny <laughs> yeah it's just a little yeah, it's, detail yeah it's it's uh it's like this is the what i mean like with the small details and what they follow up on with all, all the images in the book and and also like the references to the deaths that occur and the figures that he sees that are part in the book and yeah that's it, i like it it's it's yeah. really really subtle <laughs> nuances yeah yeah and we're kind of, yeah, we're introduced to Balkan, who's, I mean, incredible, played by Franklin Jella. He has a very, you know, sinister and type of uh, type of energy, you know, like he's very imposing intense. and tall and intense and, you know, and sinister. And, you know, Bal obviously Corso doesn't really seem to like him very much, but he's like, yeah, you're my best paying client, essentially. You know, he says that. Yeah. And, and then you got the whole thing of like, um, he has this whole huge collection of, you know, his whole library is dedicated to the devil, he says, you know, it's all just like, you know, yeah. occult books about, you know, whatever demonology and Satanism and all this stuff. And um, then um, then we get introduced to the nine, book of nine gates. And and so I, I, I feel like we see this book every time i see I see the book i'm like i wish i could have a copy of this book you know so like uh of course yeah it's so cool and i've I've always um attributed this this movie to the rise of the um uh fine um edition occult world um scene because that's become a really huge thing of occult books like being published in these really fine editions like leather covers and you know what i mean like mm -hmm like very, very fancy. And that really yeah. happened after this movie came out. And I've always felt like, I don't know, maybe, maybe, maybe I'm just, it's not, I don't know if it's true or not, but I feel like I have always attributed it to that other people like myself have seen this movie and be like, oh, I want to have a copy of, I want to have books like this that are like dark and satanic, but like, and like, you know, leather bound and really fancy. Yeah. And, and there's people out there who have made that happen. You know what I mean? So I've always yeah. felt like, because that that whole that whole thing really rose up like shortly after this movie came out, you know. Yeah, and like like later on, for example, with the Babadook, when the Babadook came out and it was like this indie hit, and like a lot of people were into it, people were asking like, "Is the Babadook like the picture book? Is that like available?" And then they made a crowdfunding and got so much money that they actually published it. So you can buy now the the Babadook book that they have in the movie. And I think like maybe if the ninth gate would have come out later on and would have been like a bigger commercial success, I assume they would have done something like that. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure there's a lot of people who'd love to have a, uh, a you know, replica of the, the 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 book that was in the movie. You know. Yeah. Um, one detail that I loved, which I like, 
always gravitated to was like when when you then when they go upstairs into like his library and and um and Balkan like talks to to Corso um you can see a picture behind him of a castle which is like light, lightly illuminated which will play a significant role in the later following of the movie yeah yeah that's something about that's another detail to say that you know <clears throat> ends up coming back later on so yeah. yeah i always like that too yeah i always wanted to have that as a poster you know like this photo photography of the castle like as in, in in a frame that would be fantastic yeah yeah that'd be really cool to have that and then people who know know you know what i mean like yeah yeah, movie, yeah you're like oh that's awesome you know yeah other people don't yeah. know but you're like oh that's a nice picture of a castle you know <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, then then uh yeah, then we get to know the story of the nine gates of the kingdom of shadows uh that Balkan got from Andrew Telfer before before he killed himself. Uh a book which is there to uh invoke the devil. And uh it was written by Aristotle Torcia, and it is credited to that he wrote it in in, in conspiracy with the devil himself. And uh, he got, I think he got hanged or like from like he was killed in the 17th century and all his books were destroyed except for three copies. And this is what the movie is about. Uh, Balkan has one copy and there are two copies out there and he, uh, he gets, uh, he, uh, well, what does he, what does he do? He books him? No, like he, 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 hire, uh, he hires, he hires him. him. Yeah. 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 He hires him to go out and compare the three copies. The other ones uh, is uh, with Victor Vargas has one copy and Baroness Frida Kessler has the other, the third copy. Yeah, yeah. and his job is to go out there and confirm that his book is the only real like copy and not a not a fraud. Yeah, because he and I love that he's like, will the devil not come, not show up or something? And Bob's yeah. just like. Look, look at it, like, you know, <laughs> this kind of brushes over it, but you're like, that's exactly why he wants him to check it. Yeah. <laughs> he tried so to good. try to use it, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, so, uh, yes. So, yeah. yeah, that's what kicks it all off. Yeah. Yeah. And then we start into like uh, almost like a almost James Bond ish kind of like uh, traveling from one country to the next, sometimes by plane, sometimes by train. There's the girl that always appears. All of a sudden, there's this black dude with blonde hair who looks like the most ridiculous rush hour uh, 90s villain that right. he could have that like well, tries to kill him. Yeah. Well, and, and you forget uh, before he even leaves New York, he goes to visit. Uh, um, what's her name? Uh, uh, Leanna Telfer, right? Yeah, you're right, right. Yeah. Which, was, which was his mistake <laughs> <laughs> because she that kicks into motion um, a lot of things. He, he, that's when we see that black guy the first time. So we know that he works for Telf Leanna Telfer because, uh, yeah, because we see him outside of her house essentially. Yeah. And and it's one of those things too. If you didn't catch that detail that he's there, I think some people might have been might be confused by him showing up later. But yeah. then, um, and and then he also puts his book into uh, at at the book dealer to hold for hold for him because he doesn't he doesn't want somebody to because I think he comes back to his apartment and it's been ransacked like somebody's trying to get the book. Yes. 
after this after he goes and basically lets Lana Telfer know that he has it because he wanted to authenticate it was her copy and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, then she comes and tries to seduce him. That part's so funny. Yeah, like, absolutely. He just like basically he knows he doesn't have the book. He's not going to give it to her, but he just lets her like uh, seduce him and have sex with him, basically. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but then she she loses her shit because he doesn't have the book and she attacks him. So we know she's she doesn't have her marbles in check. And we also see that she's got like the snake tattoo on her butt cheek. Um, and yeah, the, the the symbol of the snake and uh, is again pro, like prominent throughout the movie, often associated with the devil, but also you know with sin and uh, yeah. So you, we know like Leanne Telfer will play like a bigger part in this movie, and she's pretty much the antagonist here. Even though we don't know if Balkan is like actually a good guy or if he's the antagonist. But yeah, from there on, like uh, well, a lot of stuff stuff happens. Yeah. yeah. Well, then he runs into his 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 friend was murdered and hung up yes. like the hangman in the in the book. You know. Yeah. So we know that yeah. the stakes are pretty high. You know, as the movie goes forward, like you know, and um, yeah, like you said, he goes to Portugal first and looks at the Fargas Fargas collection, and then. Vargas ends up dead after after afterwards like yeah one then but that's where part of what what he does too is he goes to those book guys those which um uh the, the Tanisa brothers yeah and that's where he learns that that the plates are signed either AT yep. or LCF which is yes. really important and so he starts realizing and then um when he when he visits the Fargus collections when he realizes that the different plates there's like basically three of them are in each book they're different plates three of them each have the lcf and the others have a at so and once he tells balkan this then next thing you know he shows up in and uh fargus has been murdered you know yeah yeah like like he Balkan like doesn't play around he wants to have these books and you see like he's going all in and um, the what I found out of like doing research is that the Chenisa brothers actually owned the copy of the Nine Gates that the Telfers they the Telfers got it from Chenisa brothers yeah yeah and uh, which will play an important part in the final like part of the movie so yeah like you said like Vargas the first guy he visits he's a recluse lives alone in this old like building. Uh, he's allowed to check the book and then uh like Balkan tells him over the phone that like tells Corso I want to have that book and uh next day the the girl shows up they go there and were surprised Vargas is dead he drowned in a pool by accident because he was drunk but the book is already toast because it has been burnt yeah but yeah he, part of it's still there but, and that's how he figures out that somebody took the the right place up and then burn the rest of the book right yeah. so yes. and then and then from there he goes to paris and that's where he visits with uh kessler and this is where we learn a lot of information so we learned that like you know she's like a kind of you know an occult author who you know dedicated her her life to satan basically and you know like and and um dedicated her life to to the book of the nine gates and uh, and wrote like a biography of the author and 
we find out that there's this cult that um that meets and you know on the on the um anniversary of of uh of um what's um i'm like um on the guy's death you know like when he was murdered by the inquisition yeah, yeah, yeah. and um and and read from the book and um we find out that uh that basically um that she used to be like the the head of it but she kind of retired as yeah. she got older and yeah. um and then she says that that's when we find out that Tel Leanna Telfer is now the kind of leader of that and yeah. but but far you know Ke Kessler kind of is kind of dismissive of all that because she um she kind of feels like since uh since Yana took over, that's just become some type of weird, you know, some type of sex cult for people, you know, to just go and, you know, they're not really serious about it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And then they meet at, at uh, Liana's, um old chateau. Like she's old French aristocratic, oh my God, aristocratic family. And, yeah. um, and uh, she just used the Telfer's money to basically, you know, fix up her chateau and all this kinds of stuff, yeah. you know? <laughs> Yeah, and uh, Kessler and Balcom, they have like a sort of a rivalry. We don't really know what happened, but when uh, she she um, she senses that uh, that Corso was sent by Balkan, and when he confesses that, like she refuses to talk to him, and he has to go back and like shows her shows uh, her the copies of the pictures in the book and explains to her what happens. And then she agrees to let him uh, look through her copy of The Nine Gates, where there is a lot of paper in it with notes and one postcard written by one uh, Boris Balkan, which has the image of the castle, which was in the background in the beginning. Yeah, so we've got the second reference to that castle. Yeah, which again comes up in... Uh... Because Corso ends up pocketing all this, all this stuff, and um, yeah, then yeah, so we never really find out what happened. Like, obviously, they had some type of falling out at some point, you know. Yeah. Uh, became kind of rivals. We don't really find out what happened, but um, yeah, then uh, Kessler ends up dying, <laughs> being yeah. uh, killed somehow, and the whole thing set on fire. And um, Corso has to kind of like flee, you know. Yep. And um. And he had left his his copy of Nine Gates at his hotel. He goes there, and somehow it's been stolen. Somebody figured out where it was, you know. Yep. So so now we got this kind of like chase scene where he's you know he figures out that Leanna Telfer is there. Uh, because we also had that fight. I forgot about that before that when um after like that that blonde haired black guy was like following him, you know, and they get yes. into a fight, and the the girl saves him essentially. Which I think is the first time where we see her float. If I remember yeah, correctly. right. Yeah. Then yeah. then we see like we we saw her change the color of her of her uh, pupils, but uh, now uh, now she all uh, she flies down the stairs. So we know she's supernatural in a way, um, which will lead to the question: What is she or who is she? Uh, but yeah, she always saves him when the black guy always attacks him, tries to run him over. And uh, yeah, so like pretty much now, two copies are uh, are burnt. There's only one copy left, which is the Telfer slash Balkan version. Um, but the all the uh, the graphics, like all the pictures, were torn out. 
and you can already see like okay whatever happens they need to have the original like the prints because like you said in every book there are three ones that are signed lcf and they have the differences and we can go into the details there uh, later on but uh yeah so you need all nine of those pretty much to open the ninth gate which yeah. is the idea of like unleashing the devil i assume yeah yeah and um so you know they have to try to get this other book because balkan basically threatens corso's life you know so he's yeah. like trying to go so they're chasing after castle uh, uh telfer and um yeah they lose him but they eventually figure out that where the you know the town that her name her she's na her name uh you know maiden name Saint, you know yeah saint martin saint martin yeah and so they they get to their they you know it's like a you know french village town you know and um they get to the chateau which is an incredible scene like with all the yes the fires and you know these there's a lot there's definitely a kind of a uh, magic about like these chateaus i've been to a lot of them and when i was in france and um it's like uh um i don't know whenever i whenever those type of chateaus just have that kind of like you know have that kind of old aristocratic type of type of energy to them so it's like very appropriate place for a group of satanists to be yeah. and i feel like this is also like the this movie's kind of nod to say um the devil rides out and a lot of those old yeah, yeah, like particularly that movie because that movie has a lot of that where it's like these kind of aristocratic satanists like you know like staying at some like in that movie it's like british you know manor houses but in this is this french chateau you know yeah um it also looks fantastic like you know like nowadays when you have stuff like this it's cgi and flames and candles but they actually like lit all the all the chateaus outsides with like candles and torches and it just looks stunning yeah yeah it's amazing and you get them trying to break in and get the book back for yana tables get turned but then one of the interesting scenes is that um the black guy's trying to lead them down to kill to kill them and they they fight him and then um corso's like beating him to death basically and it's so funny because the girl like just, like loves it like she looks so excited that to watch him like murder this guy you know what i mean <laughs> I, I i didn't know that you had it in you that's what she says yeah <laughs> yeah like it's almost like that's even more of like oh yeah like this is the guy you know type of thing you know um, yeah and yeah which which like leads us to where the movie is headed to like so who who is actually the chosen one to unleash like the ninth gate you know yeah and, and um yeah i love this scene when there's like they're having this like satanic you know ritual in the room you know and yeah uh, leanna telfer's doing it and then all of a sudden boris balkan breaks in he's like mumbo jumbo <laughs> mumbo jumbo <laughs> that's so good man like the, the guy playing like frank lagella is so good in there it's like yeah it's 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 funny like that's the way i want to run into like black metal shows sometimes is like mumbo jumbo it's like you know <laughs> like it's just like it's like this classic it's so cliche i actually like i have a like i have a um 
a Petersburg hanging in my apartment. So where I have like a lot of like obscure pictures in weird frames and like hung against the wall. And I actually have like a printed photo photo photography of that uh, ritual where they all have the black cloaks on and the red satin and the bed in the background because it's so fucking cliche. Everything is so fucking cliche. And then he comes in mumbo jumbo. Yeah, exactly. He's like, Okay, you a bunch of fools and fancy dress, you know, like yeah. And I, I think I, I like that because, because yeah, these people are not really serious about it. It's just like some type of weird, you know, sex cult thing, you know, just doing it for the, for the titillation essentially. And, and I've always been like kind of like with certain, you know, some of these types of things. It's just like they're, it's not, it's not real, you know. And and I love that whole part where he's just like tearing them apart basically and. Yeah. But he's like, only I have the key, you know. <laughs> yeah, and then it's uh like uh he he's like spooks them off like boo and like everybody runs away and he actually kills uh Leanne Telfer with her pentagram chain and uh so Corso tries to stop it but then the girl stops Corso and she's excited again because like he's like choking out like that uh Balkan is killing Telfer. And um, then he's like, why, why didn't, didn't you let me stop it? And she's like, oh, yeah, now you have an alibi. Everybody witnessed that he killed her. So you're off the hook for all the other murders. But she's just excited to see someone getting killed and strangled. Yeah. 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 It's a funny. Yeah. It's funny. Like, and I mean, yeah, I think that's the thing. Like, the whole, like, their whole satanic cult things are so cliched. And so, like, you know, obviously just you know vapid in a way so it's like i just love that scene where he comes in and he just like destroys it they kills her they run all run away and then now we get into the second part which is you know corso trying to follow balkan yeah. he, he loses his way and that's when he sees the uh the postcard you know he goes into some like little french you know uh yeah french restaurant. inn or what bar. restaurant yeah. yeah bar like bistro or whatever you know like and um and um, that's where they figure out, okay, they let him know where this place is, and he finally gets there, and uh, it's that, that castle that we saw, and it's, like, kind of a ruined old ca actual castle from the Middle Ages. Um, I get the feeling that we're in maybe Provence, you know, which, and um, yes, that, yeah. that um, it, it, this is, like, kind of tying into history in a lot of ways, in that sense that in that area of France was the kind of center point of... Um, heresy for a long time we had like the cathars and the different gnostic christian sects and and even in the middle ages there was a lot of um, aristocratic satanism and stuff and alchemy and all this stuff going on in this area it was always kind of like this this kind of heretical area you know so i get the yeah. feeling that this this castle is kind of tying us back to these kind of middle-aged middle you know middle ages um heretical cults and stuff like that you know what i mean yep Absolutely. Yeah, good setting, definitely. Uh, he has to, like, make his way slowly, like, on in the back of a car, like, with a mule and everything, until he gets there. And, yeah, then in the castle, he actually finds, like, is able to track down Balkan, who is, uh, like, then has assembled the nine graphics, which are all signed with LCF. And then, um, yeah, the nine gates are actually a riddle, and they must be used in sequence. And yeah, only the most worthy is able to um, 
to like achieve the riddle. And then comes this fantastic part when he's like, that's before, like he sees the corsos in the room. Um, he uh, he said like the enigma is solved at last, and I wrote this down. It's like he has like the nine graphics, and you see him like nine, seven, two, six, five, something, and then it's like to travel in silence by long and circuitous road, to break the arrows of misfortune and fear neither news nor fire, to play the greatest of all games, and in foregoing no expense is to mock the visitors of fate and gain at least at last the key that will unlock the ninth gate and yeah so he's convinced that he's solved it and now like the door is open and he wants satan to yeah like not to like appear but to like take his body for his like time on earth yeah yeah and and this is where we see you know, he, he sets the, the circle of flame and he's like basically convinced himself that, oh, yeah, like I'm possessed and all this stuff. And then he like sets himself on fire. And I love the scene where he's like, I feel nothing. And then also he's like, starts screaming, you know, like he knows. Like, yeah. yeah. And, um, and, uh, fucking, uh, Corso like breaks down. He shoots him in the head, grabs all the, the plates. And um, and then he comes out, and um, the girl's there, and then we see the scene where she basically writing him, like in you know in the same way as that last plate where it's uh, the the you know basically Babylon writing the beast, you know, and yeah, the, and, yeah. the, and the, um, that's basically like what that last plate is 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 the idea of uh, the goddess Babylon or like writing the beast or whatever. So it's like um, she's writing him outside, and that scene's amazing, like the way that her face shifts between being like um yeah like like beastly like and very like sinister and then sometimes she'll be more normal and it's just such an incredible performance on her part because i feel like it's it's a lot of her performance plus like the careful lighting yeah like that they they probably had to really rehearse that in the sense of like probably there's like very subtle shifts in lighting and maybe with her makeup and stuff and and in her own performance that kind of captures this trans this this way that her face is transforming between because it's probably something like makeup with like a certain type of lighting like kind of like how um they did like the old like uh, Jekyll and Hyde transformations and stuff it's yeah. probably part of it yeah it's but, not it's not CGI yeah. Yeah, it's very incredible performance though on her part, like that she's able to look very like demonic and then very sexual and then very demonic at the same time, you know. <laughs> yeah, and it's also like uh, the the castle is burning in the background. Yeah, I've got this weird lighting, the flickering lights, and pretty much like they both climax at the climax of the movie, and then you think like, okay, everything is done now. But that's not where the movie actually ends. No, because because what because the thing is is that it didn't work, right? Balkan didn't that you know something didn't work, right? And that's the course I was trying to figure out. And they stop and get gas. She's gone, but she left a note um, written to the back of the final plate, uh, you know, copy that he had made, and yeah. it says the name of those those brothers. Yeah, and, and she she told him that like the last plate was forged, that it's not correct. Yeah. Yeah. So he goes there 
in the last scene part of the movie um he gets there the guys apparently died they're taking down the this bookshelf and at the top bookshelf follows the the page with the that last plate so essentially yeah they these guys had forged the last plate for whatever reason you know and and yeah. and uh then the last thing we see is corso walking up to the castle and this light shining out from it and him disappearing into this light and that's how it maybe ends yeah on that plate then you can see the whore of babylon and you can see the girl's face and it's clearly now to see that she is actually in the graphic so and then yeah like you said the movie ends by the door of the castle opening there's light or fire coming through and he walks in and that's it and now here here like all the interpretations start first off all the graphics, like all these plates, amazing because it has like this Dore or um, or um, what's the other guy's name? Uh, Dura, yeah, the Dura copper plates, like this kind of vibe. And uh, so you see her, like she, the girl in the picture is one of the plates. When his friend, the bookstore owner, gets killed. He, like you mentioned before, he hangs upside down from one leg, which again is one of the graphics. There's another graphic where you can see a guy with a bow and an arrow, like in a cloud, pretty much saying it is a trap. Like that's the that's the idea of the graphic. And if you look at the graphic, you will see that it's a guy with a big mustache. And that's how the how the Sinchisha brothers look. Yeah, it so, looks like him, yeah. Yeah, so you've got like these references to the figures. Um, so like the, the book guy is the victim because he's in the periphery of him. Then the, uh, the 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 next graphic is like, it's a difficult way and you will be tempted and there will be a trap. And that's what I think is the, the role of the Tsensha brothers. That's why they're not there in the end, because I think they are the forebringers of the apocalypse because uh they pretty much hide the last plate so his like his chapter now is closed they're gone because they know okay balkan failed but uh corso is so hooked and uh, they know he will come back and he finds it and he actually opens the gate and that's what a lot of people online discuss like now what happens next after the movie ends yeah right yeah yeah, you can kind of look at it in different ways. I mean, I've always seen a movie as being kind of um, more on a on a level of like this is his, uh, you know, he's opened the gateway within himself, like to 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 the devil in a way. You know what I mean? Like a, kind of a more internal thing. But you could look at it po possibly as like, oh, he's opened the gate to hell or whatever, and you know, yeah. now it's the apocalypse yeah. or something. You could look at it both ways because of it, but. Because it could also be um, an internal alchemical transformation in a way. Like he's opened the gates. He's he's like unif. You know, the whore Babylon's rode him, and now he's now he's opened that gateway to to the devil. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, or like the the forebringer of the apocalypse, and that brings us to the discussion: What's the girl? I mean, most people would say like, yeah, she is Satan, and actually like tempts uh, Corso and like pulls him onto the dark side, so to say. Some people say she's just a witch, like a like a like a servant of the devil. But then again, like a lot of people say, she's the harlot of Babylon, like the harbinger of the apocalypse. And like when I look, like the comparison that I made to it looking like an omen movie, 
the idea is like that the antichrist comes to earth and opens the gateway for the apocalypse and you could like interpret it that way and that's like kind of what i would like what i would love to be the movie like we never know but like you know like he actually opens the gate and corso things like now i will have a conversation but he actually just unlocks like the gateway so the apocalypse can happen yeah in europe like, like that's what in the bible like the interpretation is that like the apocalypse will start in europe yeah yeah well i also see um i feel like <clears throat> she's less tempting him than kind of testing him and seeing if he's the the correct you know person yeah, in a yeah, lot of ways yeah. you know because because um because he's acting naturally in a lot of ways right he's acting to his to his own nature and it's it's like she's kind of like impressed by him at times like oh like you said like oh he didn't know he had it in you all this kind of stuff like she's saying okay this guy's like potentially the the one you know what i mean yeah 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 um yeah i've yeah. always seen her as some type of uh i don't know could be uh if not i've always seen her as some type of emissary of 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 the devil or something on earth you know what i mean yeah like yeah and yeah i mean the there's again there's a lot to interpret here and it's not um it's not clear and that's what i like i don't like movies that are like so on the nose that it's like oh yeah so here's the solution to everything um the beginning of the movie is like you can see like the opening credits with the names it's like you will fly through nine gates you know and you see the names here it ends with him going through uh, the, the passageway from the uh, from the shop through this little street in Spain where he almost died earlier on with the combusting um, rails, and then he goes through the gate and then like the end credit come and the end credits are it's pretty much a black picture with like the writing of the names, but there's like flames crawling over the screen. So like, maybe it's hellfire, you know? Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's opened the ninth gate. And now he's uh, yeah, going to hell. And I, I think it's, it's really clever too, with the whole idea of the nine gates, like nine is a very satanic number. It's very associated with, um, you know, Satanism yeah. as a whole, you know, you also yeah. got like the nine circles of hell, you know, it's always been this kind of satanic number. So it's like, it's a very interesting. You can also look at, at it as well. So if you think about it, that Corso, as he progresses through the movie, is opening the, each gate. So yeah. you could look at it that the points where you see a similarity between the, the picture and the situation that he's in, like you're talking about, is him yeah. passing through that that gate. Yeah. Because because um, at the end, like Balkan is saying, is saying that they're not in the right order, right? That they're in a, that, that they're in kind of a different order than they're numbered. Yeah. And so if you probably, if you, I mean, I haven't done this, you'd probably, it'd be a little bit of extra work, but if you were to compare the numbering that he did with the plate and then where, where things happen in the movie, like maybe that hang, the hangman part is the first gateway, you know? Yeah. And then the second gateway is the crossing the, uh, the bridge with like the the um arrow hanging down at you you know what i mean that that is the yeah. scene where he goes to the, the brothers and probably yeah. each it's probably so probably through the whole movie he's opening the gateways you know yeah absolutely and um i mean we could 
I don't know if if we would have said like we print out the graphics and like talk about this, we could have like spent another hour just on the interpretation. But it's just like I I took like two of them and and did some research and like I wanted just to bring it up because you just mentioned uh, the nine as a number. Um, the first the first graphic is like in the first sentence that he says to travel in silence, which is like the silence golden is where you see uh, the knight on the horse and the castle in the back. And there you already have the castle, you know, and in, in the one like in the one graphic, it has uh, four towers in the LCF graphic it has three towers and someone on the internet wrote that uh, the castle in the distance is the destination which it is in the movie as well because that's where it all like gravitates to the number four symbolizes the material world you have four seasons four points of the compass the four elements earth water air and fire um the number three instead, the LCF version with only three towers, symbolizes perfection, the, the divine tri triangle of Trinity, the three pillars of the tree of life, etc. So it's the difference between the actual material world and the spiritual world, which you also have in the second graphic where you have the, um, is it a hermit? No, it's, uh, yeah, right, yeah, the hermit. And um, there's a black dog in front of him. And when you think about the omen, there's a black dog. If you think about other horror satanic movies, you have black dogs, you have black black goats, like the symbol. And um, in, the, in the one version, he has the keys in his left hand. And the LCF version, he has the keys in the right hand. So you have the uh, other way around. So yeah, the right hand, yeah. yeah. Because left hand path, right hand, right hand path, you know, like these these graphics are so well done and also like integral part that needs to be interpreted to like like find a solution to the whole mystery. And that's what I love about this. And yeah, if I really like I, as much as I would love to have the um to have the, the castle picture on my wall, I think I would love to have all nine of the graphics like framed at my wall. Yeah. That'd be incredible. Yeah. And it's it's interesting too because um in the book the club dumas they have all the graphics the original versions of the graphics in the book mm -hmm. and um but when i was looking at them like i look at them now like they did change them they redid them for the movie and and uh did things like made the 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 woman on on the beast at the last one look like um what's her name in the movie or in the one with like the the arrow pointing down, they made that look like the guy guy of the 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 brothers. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So those are very purposeful um, things they did. So it's obviously that you're supposed to draw comparisons between the ones in the movie and the and the, the characters in the movie as well. You know? Yeah, and uh, again, it's like the duality of things. Everything has two sides. And, uh, you know, the good evil, you could like have uh, the, the like so many like things that come up here in this movie have like two sides. And yeah, it's also like, uh, is, is Balkan good or is he evil? Is the girl good or is she evil? Is Corso actually evil? You know, so much to interpret and in such a like smart way that it's just fun to watch this movie over and over and like dive deeper into it yeah and yeah i feel like like i said at the start like i think one of my favorite things about this movie is that it's really not 
it's not a morality tale. There's not really like you're not really like um you know not led to to you're not led to be like oh this is evil satanist whatever you know what i mean like it's kind of like yeah like balkan it's not a great guy he murders people you know what i mean like and um so he's probably he's not a good person but at the same time the movie's not really casting a moral judgment on them as being just because they're satanists you know what i mean yeah like yeah. it hasn't it's not it's not telling you to be think oh these people are evil because they're satanists it, people can bring that to the movie if they want to right but in the movie your hero or your antagonist or protagonist rather is somebody who ends up apparently being like the perfect Satanist in a way and opens the gates to hell. You know what I mean? So it's like your character you're supposed to kind of be following is in himself kind of a satanic figure. So there's really yeah. no like moral thing where like it's presenting Satanism is inherently evil. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's, that brings us again to the point that we discussed in an earlier episode we did together that Satanism isn't necessarily like the celebration of evil it's just the celebration or like the, the idea that like not everything that is like in the norm or is being judged as being correct or right in the sense of like a book that uh people worship it's just like the free the free thinking aspect of it the the freedom of like having your own life your own interpretation of things and not necessarily like the media tries to do like with the black metal scene with the satanic panic in the 60s in america that satanism is necessarily like the worshiping of the devil and like bringing on the end of the world and i think that's also not what balkan wants balkan doesn't want like the world to collapse or you know like fall into darkness but he wants power he wants to be the the the, the strongest one and that's inherently something that is like egotistical and that's an aspect that satanism has too you know like i am my own god like there's no god above me and that's, I think, where where there is a lot to interpret, but it's not, like you said, it's not a lecture in a way. Yeah, yeah like you could almost look at, at it in a sense of like um, Balkan fails because of his own hubris, you know? Yeah. Because of that um, kind of overarching egotism in a way, he's that's why he fails, you know? Like, because he's he's doing it because he wants to be this master of his destiny and all this stuff and and everything you know what i mean where i think um corso doesn't really have that same type of um over the top like you know he's not thinking that he's like the greatest person in the whole fucking world like balkan does you know what i mean <laughs> yeah yeah so that's an yeah, interesting part is that the reason why he fails isn't necessarily because he's it's because of his hubris because he thinks that he knows everything and you know what i mean yeah and again what, what is funny which is i i'm just uh listening to a new audio play uh german one about vampires which is really smart and i i hope they do like an american like an english version so i can send it to you you will love it it's really good and um where they wake up like where they resurrect like one old like old vampire and they explain why vampires actually don't die they just like are in like this sentient state and can be uh reignited pretty much with blood and um and then he's like, yeah, these fools, they like they started a cult to bring me back. 
and they they slaughtered innocent people and wanted to have their fear, which is not necessary. But it's like this myth of like these idiots that want to have eternal life. And now they hope that I will bite them to like give them eternal life. And that's kind of like what Balkan wants as well. What like a lot of these satanic people, like uh, these, you know, like the failed, failed satanic people is like, yeah, I want to have eternal life. Like, I don't want to die. And and that's like, it's so funny. And I think Balkan falls into that realm again. And that's uh, that's vanity again. Like one of the seven deadly sins here, he's vain and he wants to have power, you know? And yeah, so like, it's that's what I mean. Like, it's not a horror movie. It's like a really philosophical occult mystery thriller with so many layers of stuff you can interpret and compare it to actual human life. And that's what makes this movie, in my opinion, such an outstanding piece of work. Yeah. And which makes it even sadder that it like flopped at the box office. But if you see like the time it came out and what people back then consumed as horror movies, it's kind of like the same shit they do nowadays with like these shitty movies, like voting Sinister as being one of the, the, the most scary horror movie of all times. And, and have like these shit movies that run to three theaters and like the kids love them. But there's this this fantastic scene of DIY or like small budget horror movies that are actually like fulfilling the dreams of people like you, me, the Necromaniacs guys. And, you know, like actual horror for, with like actual like gist and stuff that is really like good. And uh, yeah, like it's a shame this, that this movie fell through compared to like some of the shitty 90s horror movies that were big successes back then yeah i'd agree and i mean the um i have something to say about that too but i was going to say like another thing that i think is interesting when we get we're talking about this the sat satanic side is that uh liana telfer is um like not even involved like she's so like tied up in and like just pleasures of the flesh and stuff like that right that yeah. she doesn't even have any awareness of the idea that this book can actually open the gates to hell. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. like I always thought it was kind of funny. And again, I feel like that's pointing to her trap is, is that like she, her temptation that she's fallen to is, is this like, that's something about the satanic current. That's that a lot of people don't understand is that there's that temptation side of things with the idea is to go past those temptations and not get caught in them. Right so you can keep yes. progressing past those things so you know she's she's trapped in the flesh part of it of you know just like this kind of like very world like type of thing then you have balkan who's trapped in his own hubris and his own kind of uh you know lust for power and immortality and whatnot and then so mm -hmm. it's, yeah i always found it found it interesting so then corso kind of is somehow beyond both of those things so that's part of why he becomes the the one that opens the gate but um and then i was also gonna say that yeah like if you think about 99 that was a time of uh i know what you did last summer <laughs> you know what i yeah, mean like yeah, yeah. <laughs> those types of movies uh yeah so 99 we did get like i said we got ninth gate you got sleepy hollow which i don't even think i don't think sleepy hollow did well at all um one one movie that i really like that's is the house on haunted hill remake even though that's kind of kind of goofy Mm -hmm. That came out yeah. in the same year, but I always liked that movie. But uh, uh, you know, in general, most of the horror movies from that time period was all those horrible teenage slasher movies, you know.
Yeah, right. And so there was no actual room for this kind of horror back then. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like this movie is not for everybody. You know, it is. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. There's people who probably would be incredibly uninterested watching this because they don't get it at all. Like, it's one of those movies that I feel like um, people who are into this kind of stuff love it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. there's so many people, like, when you post, like, and I shared, like, your posts about watching movie and when I shared my posts, like, um, you know, respond to my story, like, oh, I love this movie. You know, like, just people who are really into, you know, the real side of black metal, real side of Satanism, all that kind of stuff, really love this movie, you know? And, yeah. but... I could see some people not liking it. I could see some kind of Christian American audiences being horrified by the movie. You know what I mean? <laughs> because it's not yeah. like it's not condemning these Satanists at all. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, so like the satanic stuff will always be a niche within the niche. And since this is not like a full on horror movie, it's no wonder that it like bombed back then. But uh yeah, I think like we do. If if we both like go to the Necromaniacs chart of like like I think it does. It's both like a five out of five movie. I assume. Yeah. Yeah, this is probably a top five movie for me. It's one of my favorite movies of all the time. Yeah. And um, yeah, I feel like um, the thing too is like remember when we were talking about Omen three in our Sam Neill discussion, I was yeah. saying that the pro- only problem with Omen three is that he gets defeated at the end which just seems really like kind of cheap in a lot of ways you know yeah yeah yeah. and and that's the thing this movie doesn't do that this movie you know you don't see oh the satanist is defeated and everything's back to normal it doesn't have that kind of ending at all instead as the opposite satan is unleashed at the end you know (laughs) yeah and and, in a smart way that it's not like on the nose you know and it's just like it's really well done and uh yeah, it's a great ending. I'm happy it is that way, and uh, I wouldn't want to have like another version of that. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah. And the other thing, I just love the whole atmosphere and cinematography. The feeling of the movie is just so beautiful, you know. Yeah, it is a very traditional horror movie in a way, like in in that in that sense. Well, where it's like it's borderline not a horror movie, but it's um. Yeah, it's just like the, the the visuals. Like I said, everything about this I love, except for the fight scenes because they really look clumsy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Luckily, there's only what a couple fight scenes, so. Yeah, yeah. Thankfully, yeah. But yeah. arrest like the cast is great. Like it's it's just like a minimal set of actors, but they all play really well, and that's 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 the good thing about it. Yeah. 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 I, yeah yeah that's that's why I, yeah i don't think that it did well at all because it's just too uh too um i don't know i think it's maybe too intellectual for some people you know yeah i don't know yeah, if it yeah. did i don't know if it's you feel like this is a movie that might be more popular in to a european audience than american mm, might be yeah because i just feel like you know when i watch a lot of european movies they there's a lot more uh smarter stuff going in a lot of european movies than there are in, uh, in american movies you know <laughs> yeah yeah it's also they um the pacing and the visuals it's, it's a bit different than the stuff they do for the american market that's why they do like all the remakes of the european movies and they all like blow it 
you know, like watching Wreck and watching like Quarantine as the remake. It's 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 atrocious, you know. And um, the funny games and all these movies like don't do like American remakes of successful European movies just because American audiences are too lazy to actually like get behind the original. Yeah. 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 A lot of American audience, American people don't like to read subtitles and yeah. I don't know. It's just dumb. Yeah. Like, uh, I don't know. I look at the fact that this year, one of the most successful horror movies was that stupid. Uh, uh, what's that movie? Um, Talk to me or whatever. That dumb movie. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, I haven't like, seen that. Yeah, like I don't know a single person who liked that movie, and yet, <laughs> and yet it was critically acclaimed, and it did really well in the box office. You know. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's that's just the way it is. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, but yeah, I, I would feel like even if the Ninth Gate came out today, it would still be a, you know, box office swap. You know, like unfortunately, it, it would be absolutely because it's not the right pacing for nowadays. It's not the right style. I mean, I see it like with my kids in school when they ask me about horror movies and they tell me what they like and I suggest a movie to them and they watch it and say, oh, no, we stopped it after 30 minutes. It's so boring. And it's like, yeah, it's a different time. You need movies like Smile for the kids today. You know, like they 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 don't want like these slow paced movies that we dig. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's too bad. I mean, I um, Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I guess like I'm I'm like kind of like even more a niche person because like a lot of the movies I watch are, you know, 50s, 60s, 70s, like Euro gothic horror movies and stuff like that, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah and I mean, like... you, yeah, given this that like not a lot of the audience that watches Smile is like the audience that listens to Soul Knox. Yeah. No, yeah. Our yeah. people, people listening to this probably all like are you know well aware of this movie and big fans of it. So yeah. absolutely, I think so too. So we're preaching to the choir here, and uh, yeah, I think but, we we covered but, all the terrain that we need to cover. Yeah, yeah, but it's also just uh, it's it's just really enjoyable to discuss the movie and and you know like um, celebrate it in a lot of ways and also give yes. our own interpretations of the movie. You know, because this is yeah. definitely a movie that you can interpret in different ways. And I've had like this kinds of ideas about what this movie means for for a long time. One thing that I always yeah. find interesting is, I mean, I feel like some of the ideas were contained in the book, but obviously a lot of it was brought by the people who made the movie. So it makes you makes you interested, like, um, you know, what 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 motivated them to? I mean, how how this movie ended up having so much like re legitimate kind of esoteric you know satanic content into it you know what i mean where it's like yeah they uh, it's either they did their research really well or they themselves actually are uh, somewhat involved with that kind of stuff you know what i mean yeah yeah that's definitely someone that was involved with polanski that was like a, a hard-on like expert when it comes to all that occult stuff and uh because that's not like it's not half-assed everything here has a substance and is a layer to it because that's like with a lot of like the modern horror movies it's just like when, when they touch upon the occult it's like pretty standard you know above the surface but it doesn't really go deep and that's for example why i love as above so below the um found footage film 
it's so much deeper than it's just like, oh yeah, it's a found footage one because it also has so many layers of interpretation when it comes to the religious satanic, like the, the book of revelation aspect to it. And yeah, that's like these, these movies, they just like, they just speak to me and uh, they just keep me hooked to them. And that's why I love them so much. Yeah. I mean, I really, I love that movie as, as above. Um, it's such a, um, first of all i'm obsessed with the paris catacombs i think it's such a cool i, I really like want to go go and visit there you know yeah and um which i haven't been have haven't been able to i've only been to paris once for like a day so but yeah. if ever in paris again that's that's like the number one one number one things i want to go to is the catacombs so having that setting and then on top of it there's all of this alchemical stuff in it that that just very well researched about like the philosophy yes. zone and and all all that stuff which i just think is really really incredible yeah yeah great movie total box office flop no one cared everybody was like oh yeah i saw the language project that's enough but uh i mean there were a lot of terrible found footage films but that one knocked it out of the park when i saw it like I love the poster with the upside down tour to uh, like Eiffel Tower and the skeleton heads in the red and black. And I'm like, okay, this looks great. What is that? So I just went to the cinema, watched it and like left it. And I was like, this fucking rules. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't get to see it until it was on, uh, I think Netflix or something, but um, like, I I love that movie. I, I need to watch it again. I haven't watched it in a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, maybe that's a, that's another thing we could do as an episode at some point. Yeah, yeah, that'd be cool to cover that, and and because it's got a lot of a lot of stuff going on in it. Like that's what I like. I like to talk about movies that got a lot of a lot of substance to them. You know. Yeah, I mean, it seems to be a reoccurring theme when we talk about like the Satanist occult like undertones to it, and this movie falls right into that. Yeah. Yeah, that would be cool because um, yeah, because yeah, I feel like um. Like I said earlier, so many satanic occult movies are very on the surface, or they're very much like the traditional. You know, like I like so. For example, I love End of Days. You know, that's a yeah, yeah. It's a great action movie, action horror movie. I love Arnold in it, but that movie is not says nothing about Satanism or whatever. It's just a very traditional like the devil comes to like you know yeah yeah, yeah. destroy Absolutely. the world and stuff you know, and then you got. God, you know, God has to, has to prevail, you know. I, I mean, I yeah. like those kind of movies too for what they are, but they're yeah. not really going to be like, you know, you're not going to get some like deeper like uh, things out of them like you would of the Ninth Gate, you know. Absolutely, yeah. But it's fun. I mean, like, I, I, I enjoy movies like this, like, so, like the reference to Stigmata. Like, it's a movie I like. It's, it's, it's easy. It's cool. I love it. Same with watching The Relic, you know, like it's like cheap 90s computer graphics, but it's like a cool on monster movie. And it will never be like one of my favorites, but it's something I put on and I enjoy. But like Ninth Gate is like a like it's a legit interesting movie with so many layers to it. And these are the ones that in the end, like I gravitate to. Yeah. Yeah. One movie I bought recently that I haven't seen in a long time that I need to rewatch is The Devil's Advocate came out in the same Oh movie. man, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Fantastic movie. Yeah. Yeah, I need to rewatch that. I haven't seen it in a long time, but you know, it's you know, you get to see Al Pacino's The Devil, which is awesome. Touch, but don't taste. Taste, but don't swallow. Swallow, but don't enjoy. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. 
Like, I wonder what was going on in the late, you know, the late nineties was like a lot of satanic movies. You know, I think maybe it was that, that it, end of the end, you know, two, two, um, millennium, millennial, yeah. Yeah. whatever. Yeah. The, the whole millennial thing maybe was part of it. I don't know. But yeah, that, that, the second second part of the nineties, there was a lot of these type, you know, like you said, stigmata, end of days, devil's advocate, ninth gate, um, uh, a bunch of other ones that that are kind of forgotten now, you know, like uh there's that one with Winona Ryder, um, Lost Souls or whatever it's called. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, just a lot. I yeah, it's it's an interesting thing that all that was going on. Even like I just watched um Phantoms, uh, which is one I love that movie. It came out in '97. Has like Rose McGowan in it, and um, it, and uh, what's his name, Ben Affleck and stuff. But it's like a, it's an amazing movie, and it kind of has like a kind of um, Lovecraftian type of thing going on to it, where it's just like ancient evil, basically. You know, it comes mm-hmm. and swallows everybody. It's a really good movie, and again, that still has the thing like the things calling itself Satan and stuff, but it's like this kind of ancient evil thing that dwells at dwells in the depths of the earth that comes up and feeds off of people sometimes, you know? Yeah. So it's just yeah. some, it's something that was going on at the time. Huh? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like my, Mike and I always speak about like what happened in the early nineties to music when everything got serious all of a sudden. And then at the end of the nineties, we got the revival of satanic movies. So. Yeah. Nineties was an interesting time. And probably there was also a reaction to, the early 90s with kind of you know you had that satanic panic by the late 90s what's interesting though is that that had kind of been um um basically discredited you know the fbi was like well there's absolutely no evidence of any of these satanic crimes you know what i mean that that yeah um but you still had i mean i remember growing up and you know you still had all these christian groups um protesting Marilyn manson and all this stuff you know like it was like There was still a big, I mean, this country still has a big problem with these kind of, you know, far right, crazy Christian people, you know? Yeah. And um, yeah, I think it was in full swing. I mean, so like, even though the satanic panic in a certain way ended like the, the, the core of it, it probably didn't help that you had this rise of, you know, satanic metal in the nineties, you know, you know, I mean, all yeah, this death yeah, metal, yeah. black metal and stuff probably didn't just added fuel to the fire, you know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it's been it was a great talking about the ninth gate, Ralph. I always enjoy talking yes. to you. Yeah, great, great one. Good talking to you, and uh, yeah, to everybody out there who hasn't seen the movie, I wonder why you're still here. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, like if you haven't seen this movie in a long time, go back and watch it. I enjoyed the hell out of it, and I'll probably watch it again before the end of the year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Add it to because this episode is coming out in October, so. Add it to your your Halloween watch, you know. Uh, yes, definitely. Yeah, even though, yeah. like you said, it's not it's not really a, a true like horror movie necessarily, but it's we'll, still still a good one yeah, to watch, you know. <laughs> we'll let it fly. We'll let it fly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Carl, for having me. Awesome. Thank you, Ralph. Appreciate it. <laughs>